got the Merle Haggard blues today I write songs when I feel this way I grab my guitar and I play I got the Merle Haggard blues today Gold day to every single one of you Welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. I'm your host, Tessa Morrow, and that lovely voice singing just seconds ago, of course, is the amazing Bobby Mackey. Haunted locations, they're everywhere. Jails, asylums, hotels, brothels, homes, and so much more. But let's touch on the latter. Haunted houses. And I'm not talking about the haunted house attractions you go into at the fair or around Halloween with a fake spider web, some people dressed up trying to scare you. (gasps) No, no. I'm talking about legit haunted properties. Properties that people build on top of or have moved into. Home sweet home. Their safety haven. This is where they have pets, raise their kids, and so on, create memories. As someone who's lived in a few paranormally challenged homes, I can honestly say that at times, it's off-putting. And that's coming from a paranormal investigator, someone who's infatuated with the supernatural. I may go out searching for the dead, communicate with the spirits and what have you, but that doesn't mean I want them in my home 24-7. It's not all bad. I mean, some of my spiritual residents I knew in life, and I love that they're around looking over me. But then, there's times. Hmm, picture it. The woman is lying in bed. She's had a long day at work and wants nothing more than to just relax, maybe read a good book, just doze off into Never Never Land. She takes her glasses off. Hmm. She looks up from her book. Silence. Then, a creaking sound. Is the house just settling, or is there more to it? She glances down at her book, and she starts reading again. She's not a sentence in when she hears it again. This time, it's closer. It's not the house settling, nor the wind. Or any outside chatter or noise. No. Then another sound. Closer than before. This time, it's a footstep. She looks past her door into the darkened room. She squints her eyes, straining to see. The sounds coming from there, in that area. What the hell? Another disembodied step closer. Are her eyes playing tricks on her? Or is that a figure standing there by the door? What the? I've had my fair share of experiences and encounters living in haunted homes. But that's not what this episode is about. No. I want to welcome my dear friend Annie Weibel back to the podcast to refresh the memories that need it. The Weebmeister was on a few weeks back in the Mothman episode with the lovely Brendan Shea. 
And the baby cry at the end of the past two episodes and future episodes is that of their sweet little baby girl who was born one day after the episode was released. Super cool. Of course, she was still in mama's belly when we were recording the Mothman episode. Annie is a fantastic medium and a fellow paranormal investigator. And let's not waste another second. Miss Annie Weibel. Weibel, the Weebmeister, Mama Bear. Thank you so, so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and taking part in this very special episode. How are things going over there with the little one? Oh my gosh, it is an adventure every day. I've been (laughs) pooped on and peed on and puked on, but it is amazing. She'll be a month old tomorrow and the time has flown and she is just the most amazing little creature. We just, I, I couldn't love her anymore. So oh. she's fantastic. Thank you for asking. Oh my goodness. Yes, yeah, she is so precious. And, you know, I guess it's better to be pooped on and peed on and puked on by your baby and not some and uh, not some <laughs> drunk friend, right? <laughs> not a bum. Yeah, right? totally true. <laughs> Although she, you know, she's kind of bummish. She lives here rent free. You know, she's she's not working right now. She's just uh, she's living off the cuff here. So no, she's fantastic. She's she's such a good baby. Really, she is. You know, you need to get that couch potato off and start working already, man. It's been a month. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> oh, before we know it, it's going to be time to send her off to college. It's crazy how the time flies, but we love it. We've loved every minute of it. Absolutely. And I did mention earlier in the episode that last time you and Shay were on was the Mothman episode back in December. And like literally the day after that episode came, she was born. And that I was like, wow, that's that's crazy timing. <laughs> it, yeah, well, she came uh, a little more than two weeks early. So she took us all by surprise. But the honestly, I hadn't even heard the Mothman episode because we had been in the hospital and then Christmas happened and, you know, life happens. But right. she she surprised us, though. But she was perfect. Everything. She's healthy and happy and getting chubby. And so <laughs> I know we love all of her little roles. Yes, yes. Incredible. And we love her little cries, too, at the end of the episode. So it's like, wah! <laughs> She's already podcasting and doesn't even know it yet. She's a pro. Absolutely. Be proud. <laughs> Absolute pro, I tell you. So... You know, life in a haunted house, that's what we're, that's what this is all about. Living in a haunted house. First off, how did this haunted property come into your life? It's so crazy the way things happen like this. And, you know, with all the paranormal investigating that we've done and, you know, all the research that we've done, I don't think anything ever is just a coincidence. And so I bought this house about five and a half years ago, and I had been looking, I was in the market for a house, had looked, I don't even know how many, and I wanted an old house with a little bit of character in it. So this house was built in 1942 in an area of our town called the Southeast Hills. So they're all kind of like these little 
almost cottage-like houses. They have the arched doorways. They have the hardwood floors. It's just a lot of character in these houses. And so the minute I walked into this house, I knew I wanted to be here. I knew there was a reason. And so, um, yeah, that's how it came about. My realtor found it. We walked in. And it just felt like home from the minute that we walked in here. Although some of the things that we found during our initial walkthroughs in this house actually led to some of the mystery that came up with it and that we've looked into over the past five years. And it seems like the more we dig into this mystery, the more unsolved questions we seem to have. But that also led up to activity that we've had in the house pretty much from the time we moved in. And, you know, it's it kind of ebbs and flows. There are times when it gets more intense, obviously, you know, with some of the changes that we've had lately. And then there are times that we may go for a while and nothing at all happens. But it seems like when it starts happening, it gets intense, and then it just kind of disappears again for a bit. So, yeah, you can thank my realtor who knew that I was a paranormal <laughs> investigator, by the way, and and always kept that in mind when we were looking at these houses, which was kind of funny. That is funny. You know, you got to love those old houses. And it's really neat that when you went there, you felt like right at home, like, nope, don't need to look any further. This is the place for me. Like, I love it immediately, you know, falling in love with it. And that's the way it really should be. And... I want to hear a little more about the history. I remember one of the very first conversations we had together and it was about your home and it just had so, has so much involved in it. Like, you know, you throw in a dead mm-hmm. police officer, a mysterious right. death and a serial killer team. Talk about the, it sounds like Holly weird movie. Talk a little, if you will, Annie, about the history and all the other things. I mean, that's wild. So the first thing that I noticed about this house, when we walked in, from the front door, you can look straight through the living room back into the dining room. And there was a painting in the dining room of a man and a woman that looked to be late 70s, early 80s. And my realtor actually turns to me and goes, that's kind of creepy. I wonder if it comes with the house. And, you know, we laughed about it. But then as we walked through the house, we noticed some more memorabilia that was from a um, a fallen police officer. Mm. I noticed some local news articles. And so I didn't think much of it at the time. Yeah. I, I bought the house, you know, after only being here twice. And then I started doing a little research. And I started with the name of the woman that I bought the house from. And I found out that the painting in the dining room and all of the police officer memorabilia um, had been of her father, who was a local police officer who had died while on duty in 1976. Wow. And so what I found out after doing some research was that his death was later attributed to uh, the serial killer Henry Lee Lucas. And if any of you guys are not familiar with Henry Lee Lucas and his story, there's a fantastic Netflix documentary that came out late last year called The Confession Killer. And 
Henry Lee Lucas in the 1980s confessed to hundreds of murders all across the country, including the murder of Officer Curtis, who's, you know, I bought this house from his daughter. What we found out recently after doing even a little more research that is kind of leading into a a series of episodes that we're doing for Serial Spirits podcast was that his death was not originally deemed a murder. And it took almost a decade from the time they found him dead until Henry Lee Lucas confessed, quote, confessed to murdering Officer Curtis. And so there's the mystery behind his death as it happened here. And then the mystery behind, did Henry Lee Lucas really even kill him? Because what you find out in this documentary is that he confessed to hundreds of murders that it's now being proven by DNA evidence that he did not commit all these murders. And in fact, right before he was set to be executed, he recanted nearly all of these confessions and basically said that he was being coerced by local police officers and he was being bribed and said that, you know, he didn't do that. And so it leaves us to wonder now, number one, how did Officer Curtis die? Was it by his own hand? Was he murdered? Was it really Henry Lee Lucas? Or did somebody actually get away with murdering the man whose picture was hanging all over my house when I bought it? And so it's, you know, it may be a mystery that we never find out. You know, his he died more than 40 years ago. And Henry Lee Lucas is dead. Otis Toole was dead. And there's very little evidence, or not evidence, but information online about this. And I've never really gone through the archives at the library to find out. I've reached out to people who knew his family. But all the information out there seems to be very muddled. People, you know, remember little bits and pieces, but nobody has actually said, oh, yeah, this is the story. This is how it happened. His wife passed actually the summer that I bought this house. That's how I came to buy it because his daughter moved into their old family home and then in turn sold me this house. But his wife, I guess, told about it to some people that she worked with, but nobody really remembers in detail. So it's a mystery. Yeah. But it has always fascinated me. And then... When we began having some activity here, you kind of wonder, is it related to that? Or is it something or somebody totally different that we have uh, no idea who it is? Right. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, it all is weird. Even like for me, like it's weird that this fallen officer's belongings, like some special things were left at the house. Like if I were a family member, I would have, you know, like taken those because those would have been like a special meaning or something. So that's weird that they were just kind of like, like left there. Like they took the majority of the things that had to, to do with him. But I do remember reaching out to the family a couple weeks after I bought the house, I found the officer's wife's wallet in my bedroom closet 
Oh. And yeah, and I reached out to the realtor and said, hey, they're, they left some of her belongings back here. And I knew that she had just passed. Right. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, put it in the mail or, or if they want to come by and get it. And he said, you know, I'll let them know that it's still there. And I never heard from him. I still have it. And so, yeah, it was just kind of odd. Like, you know, they wanted to be out of this house really fast, it seemed like. And at the time, I thought, oh, it's probably just because, you know, they just inherited the family home. They're moving back there, which is still in this town. It's not like they were actually, you know, up and leaving town. Yeah. But I thought maybe that was the reason they wanted to sell the house so quickly. But now that we've noticed these things happening, I think, gosh, you know, maybe they had things happen here. And they were like, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge because this house is weird. Right. Yeah. Like, I wonder how long they were living. Well, obviously, they were living there for quite a while after he died. And Mm -hmm. maybe for all they know, maybe he was the one haunting the place without them even knowing, just knowing that, okay, weird things are happening here. Like, what the hell's happening? You know, like, right. And so that could be off putting for somebody who's not like me and you who goes out looking for this kind of thing. But, you know, when you're like living in this home, and you lose a significant person in your life, and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you're getting these weird things. You're you're probably not yourself. You're mourning the death. You're you're just trying to go on with what is going to be kind of like maybe not a normal life anymore. And then this is happening. It's kind of like, okay, this isn't right. So about his death, like, yeah, like, you know, it's like murder, suicide. But he was he was found in a field shot, right? With his handcuffs on. From what I've been able to... I gather just from what I found online and this is public knowledge that so I've always tried to be I guess a little more I, actually I was hesitant to even talk about it on you know any of these podcasts at first because I wanted to be respectful of the family you know they're still local but all of this that I've said is is I found online so it's all public knowledge right and what I found was that they said that he was uh, on night shift he had radioed into dispatch to tell them that he was going to a local park to have lunch. He had picked up his lunch and he stopped responding to any of their calls from dispatch. And so I guess it was the next morning that they went to or around the local park, which is about a three minute walk from my house and found him handcuffed and shot in the chest. And so, originally, I found this out later from other people who remember it happening. They at first said that it was a suicide. And I'm thinking, how do you handcuff yourself and then shoot yourself in the chest? It just seemed so so astronomically crazy to think about that's how you're going to commit suicide. You go to the lengths of picking up your lunch, calling in, letting them know you're going to be on lunch. And then handcuffing yourself and shooting yourself in the chest. Right. To me, that seems very outlandish. So that was 1976. It wasn't until the mid-1980s that Henry Lee Lucas began confessing to all of these murders. He was in prison in Texas. And there was a local sheriff there who I believe was part of the Texas Rangers. And they literally set up hundreds of interviews 
with police departments all over the country who had cold cases that they brought to Henry Lee Lucas to ask him if he committed these crimes. And to most of them, he confessed. But there was no evidence behind any of them to say that he actually did. Right. And and Officer Curtis just happened to be one of those deaths that he confessed to. So, I, I don't know. It's The whole thing is just absolutely crazy. And the more I dig into it, I find more questions than answers, really. Yeah, I guess so. And so, the Officer Curtis, is that portrait of him still up in your house? No, they took the portrait with them. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. and most everything was gone out of the house, but it was just the first thing that you saw when you walked into the house, and it was so captivating because you just felt, I don't know, It's I know this sounds silly almost, but there was almost an energy about it that you could feel. There was an energy in the house that obviously I loved at the time. I still love. I love this house. Right. But I, you got to wonder again, was he here protecting his family? Um, because I did find out later from someone who knew his wife very well that in her later years, she had a woman who came into her house and did some housekeeping for her. And this woman recounted stories uh, from his widow about how she talked about how her husband came to visit her oh. after death all the time. Yeah. I mean, wow. detailed stories. And this woman was a registered nurse. Okay. Yeah. And so she's somebody who was seems to have been well respected and well liked by the people that I know who knew her and had these stories about, you know, him coming to visit her. So was he visiting here too? Was he visiting his daughter and his grandson? I don't know. Maybe does he still visit? I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And that is neat, you know, if you know, here she is recounting encounters with her late husband coming to visit i mean right i'm both you and i have lost people special to us and have had visits from those people that we love so much i mean it's really a neat feeling that you you know whether it's seeing their apparition or a visitation dream or whatever it's really neat having that encounter it's like yes you're you're physically gone but guess what really spiritually you're still here and it's right. like that validation, that verification that, yeah, you're you're here and that's a really good feeling. It's, you know, not like any other. And so that's neat that she had that with him. You know, being yeah. a police officer, obviously, that's a very, very dangerous job. And right. it's, you know, you're never guaranteed the next minute. I mean, none of us are, obviously. But right. so, no, that's neat that she at least had that from somebody who was lost so suddenly. And... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you have had um, activity in the house. Talk a little bit about that. 
you know, is it like seeing things or hearing things or? It's been everything. It's been all different types of experiences and it hasn't come from just me. It's, you know, I've had them. Shay has had them since he has lived here. I have friends who have visited the house and, you know, the first time they come here have had something happen. I think the first definitive thing that I really remembered, I had been here maybe a year and was cleaning out a closet and moving some things from upstairs, downstairs. Hey, Annie, I have to mm-hmm. interrupt you real quick. When you sure. started talking, saying about a year ago, I just heard a woman whisper, hey, and it sounded like on your end. Really? Just letting you know. Yeah. Like, you know, you know that EVP or you have it too. But yeah, I totally heard it. You were talking and it went, I'm in my basement alone. There's Shay and, and the baby are upstairs. I actually came down here in case she started crying. So there's yeah. nobody down here. Oh, I know you're alone. On. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're alone. That's why I wanted to tell you. I was like, hey, you're not alone. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me with some of the stuff that we've had happen lately. Again, it's yeah. I kind of got chills right now. Maybe it's just because you said that or because it's cold down here. Right. But yeah, so I'm, I'm in the basement actually where that happened. And I was moving some stuff from an upstairs closet downstairs. And I had made several trips up and down the stairs. And the uh, the floor in the basement is concrete. And on that last trip down, I stopped in my track because as the path that I had been walking through the basement, there was one set of wet shoe prints. Two, two feet. Just mm. two prints, almost kind of angled into the corner like it was walking into a wall. And I stopped. And, and the immediate reaction was, oh, my God, somebody is in my house. Yeah. And then I stop and I'm like, you're being an idiot because, number one, <laughs> your doors are locked. You've been here all day by yourself. And there are literally only two <laughs> wet shoe prints. Yeah. They're not leading in from anywhere. They're not leading out. It's actually pointed towards a wall. And I stopped and I took a picture of it hmm. and sent it to one of my friends who was also a paranormal investigator. And his initial re- reaction was, there's somebody in your house. And I said, no, that's <laughs> in the middle of the basement floor walking into a wall there's nobody in this house but me I I went through I made sure all my doors and windows were locked there was nobody here yeah. two wet foot I mean distinct wet shoe prints and so that was the first thing that really captured my attention throughout that next year or so um, I caught a glimpse of an older man in the spare bedroom which is now our daughter's room, Hmm. that same friend that I had called that day when I I saw the footprints also saw this person in the hallway in front of that bedroom. A friend who had never been to my house before was here one weekend. I think it was Memorial Day weekend. We were sitting on my back porch, and from the back porch, there's uh, the bedroom window that you can see into that room. And I had my back turned to that window and he was looking at me and we're talking and he stops mid sentence. And I said, what is it? And he goes, the blinds just moved in that bedroom. And I saw a man oh. and I, ha- I had never told him 
about that happening. And I just stopped and I said, I'm not surprised that you saw that. You're not the first. And so we started talking about the history of the house too. And of course he was just absolutely fascinated by the fact that he just saw something that we were all able to substantiate that we had seen as well. It kind of ebbs and flows. You know, it went for a while that it was really quiet. And then about a year ago, I guess it started to pick up again. I had been doing a radio show one night and I think I had, I I had been talking with uh, Daryl Marston from Ghost Hunters and we were off air, but he and I were still talking. We were just having conversation and I was standing in my dining room and watched a picture that was on a shelf fly off of the shelf and land in the middle of the dining room floor. Hmm. And I stopped and just absolutely startled, flabbergasted mid-sentence and told Daryl what had just happened. And he was like, are you okay? Is anybody else, you know, can you call somebody? If you, and I'm like, listen, you know, how many haunted places have we been in? That's just the first time that has ever happened to me. And it's never happened again. I looked at the picture frame. The picture frame was sturdy. It's never fallen off of that shelf again. And it didn't just fall. It was it moved with force. It yeah. moved with force. Yeah. Yeah. Because it didn't just tumble off of the shelf. It flew and landed in the middle of the room. And so that was kind of the beginning of this, I guess, influx of activity that we've had since then. Of course, I found out in the spring that I was pregnant. And when Shay moved down here and his daughter came down here and started staying with us, we started having more activity again. Um, he was hearing a lot of disembodied voices. Hmm. You know, he'll be in one room. It happened even just last week. And he'll yell at me and say, what did you say? And, you know, huh. he's completely convinced that I have said something to him, called out to him. Yeah. Did not happen. You know, nothing, um, you know, nothing spoken. In the summer, he and I both saw something that was odd that we had never seen here before. We were sitting on two different couches in the living room, and I could see into the dining room, and I watched a ball of light come from the dining room, kind of curve around the couch that he was sitting on, stop in the middle of the floor, and then disappear. Wow. I didn't say anything about it. I thought, okay, is it a reflection from something? And I kind of started to look around thinking, no, that was that was actually a, a almost a solid light. And it took him about 10 seconds. And he looks over at me and goes, did you see that? <laughs> wow. And I said, I wasn't going to say anything until you did. Because, yes, I saw it, and I have no idea what that was. And so right. we get up, and we walk through the house looking for anything, you know, abnormal. And, of course, you know, nothing was there. Wow. Yeah, that's Again, crazy. Yeah, just little things off and on. Like I said, the disembodied voices. A lot of 
noises that we don't know where the last week we were sitting in the living room with her and it sounded like something crashed in the dining room and you get up and you look for it and nothing has moved nothing has gone anywhere you know it, like I said it has kind of ebbed and it ebbs and flows and I think the one night that actually kind of freaked me out it's been a couple of months ago maybe we had gone to bed and in the middle of the night you ever have that feeling you're you're asleep and it's almost like something startles you awake yes and so we're laying in bed something kind of startles me awake and it's three o'clock something in the morning and I look over at Shay and he is wide awake staring at the doorway and he scares the hell out of me and I said what's wrong what was that yeah and he completely wide-eyed and frightened I can tell looks at me and says something is messing with me Uh uh-oh and I said, what do you mean something is messing with you? And he said, I had a really bad dream. And when I woke up, I just had this feeling of absolute fear, like Ugh. somebody was in the house. Oh, geez. Ugh. And he said, he said, I've been laying here and something is pulling at the blanket at the end of the bed. Oh, geez. No. And I'm like okay, I'm thinking he's had a bad dream. And so he goes back to sleep, and now I'm awake. Yeah. And, you know, pregnant and uncomfortable and couldn't go back to sleep. And I'm not kidding. As I'm laying there on two separate occasions, something pulled the blanket at the end of the bed. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's creepy. the second time that it happened, I actually saw it move. And so I'm up and I'm looking through the house. Number one, finding the cats because I'm thinking, okay, you know, are the cats messing? The cats were both asleep mm. on the couches in the living room. Wow. And so then I lay back down and I realized that what he had experienced, I had also just experienced. And it was actually physically manipulating something there. So... Yeah, it's been just that kind of stuff off and on. Like I said, lately it's been the noises, the crashing noises. It's just... Yeah. And you've got to wonder, is it because the baby is in the house now? You know, they always talk about, you know, almost like PK activity when you experience changes or, you know, whether it's physical changes or emotional changes. I think that's what we've experienced with it lately. But again... Who and what does it lead back to? We have no idea. Right. Well, and it is crazy because, well, that makes sense. You know, when you were telling me a couple days ago that activity definitely picked up since the little one came along. And I mean, that makes sense. That's a huge change. Just like when, you you know, you hear about renovating a home or something or Mm -hmm. a business. It like almost like wakens something up, you know. And it's, it's like, you know, something's like, dormant and then all of a sudden just like boom and that makes total sense and having you know first of all Shay moving in 
that's uh-huh. a big change. That's a whole new person coming in. Right. And not only a person, but a fellow paranormal investigator, someone that, like, you know, communicates with spirits and stuff. So you get that in the mix. And then you throw a baby in the mix. That's, like, totally crazy. But, you know, me and you were used to that kind of thing. But now that you have a baby, do you see yourself having, like, kind of, like, the mama bear kind of thing, like defending your cub, like, okay, back off. There's a baby here in the house. You know, you, you can't do this anymore. You know what I mean? You you do. You, you know, like you said, mama bear mode sets in and you're like, okay, you can mess with me. I'm used to this kind of stuff. Yeah. But as long as it doesn't affect her and it's her room is the one where we have seen the elderly man and for whatever reason her room stays significantly colder than Mm. the rest of the house and we have tried to figure out why that is there is nothing different in her room as far as you know the the heating whatever you know the ventilation ducts all that kind of stuff there's nothing different about her room, but there are times that it is so much colder than the rest of the house. And then I thought, oh my God, you know, did we just set up her nursery in like the most haunted room in the house? Should I have done that? Should I have put her somewhere else? And, you know, she's, she's too little now to let her stay in there by herself. But it makes me wonder, you know, as time progresses, when she starts sleeping in that room, are we going to see something else happen? And yeah, it would be one of those moments that I'm like, all right, we're switching rooms. You're never going to sleep in there. That noise was my cats fighting. Sorry. You can get out of here. (laughs) I was like, I just heard something else. (laughs) That was Gracie. Get out of here. Gracie, no fighting. (laughs) No fighting girls. They've also... Their lives have also been uprooted by the baby in the house. I could only imagine. They wanted Uh some airtime. I get it. I understand. They wanted to be on the podcast, too. They're like, wait a second. You've had us for years, and you've had the kid for a month, and she's on a podcast, and we're not. I don't think so, Mom. (laughs) They feel very slighted by that. They do. But you know what? It's funny because they react to things, too. Especially my older cat, who has been, she's been with me almost 15 years now. She's like my protector. You know, I'm sick. She's there by my side. And there are times that I have seen her interact with something in this house. Yeah, it's just, it's bizarre. Animals are super smart. Yeah, my, my cat and dog will do that too. Like, I'll be holding my cat. And she'll be, like, looking past me. Like, Mm -hmm. just, like, eyes fixated. And, you know, it's just kind of like, geez, like, I want to turn around, but I don't. (laughs) Like, what's there? (laughs) You know? You don't. Yeah, there are times, uh, yeah, especially, like, down in the basement area, that they'll stand at the top of the basement stairs and look and meow. And it's like, I don't know what you're interacting with right now, but I almost don't want to turn that corner and look down the stairs because I'm afraid of what I'm going to see. So you just keep talking (laughs) to it. I know. I almost feel like bringing, like, my cat or dog, like, to an investigation with me. I think they would be, like, one of the most in tuned. It's like, wait. What? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. There were a couple of paranormal investigators that I saw on one of the shows. I don't remember which one it was, that took a dog with them. And I think that's the most phenomenal way to go about it because you you know that they sense things. Yeah. They can see, they can smell, they can hear on a level that we will never be able to. Almost like maybe they physically 
experience what we pick up on our recorders. And I was like, that's genius. Why did nobody think of that? Right. You know, I think it would be good, but it would also be bad. With my luck, the post office, my, my dog barks at the, <laughs> UP, at the UPS man or the USPS man, the postal uh-huh. man. And I'm like, you know, well, with my luck, we'd be like in an asylum or something. And all of a sudden his ears will go up. Well, what is it, boy? Ruff, 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 ruff. Oh my God, oh, yeah. what is it? Oh, it's uh, UPS. Okay, never mind. <laughs> debunk. <laughs> like debunk a hundred times sorry. over. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think, yeah, I obviously I'm not going to take my cat and release her anywhere to a location. She'd never come back. Right. But I do. I think that's pretty brilliant because you know they they are able to sense what we cannot. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we need tools for that stuff. Then they're just kind of like, boom, right there. It's, and they've got the built-in tools. It's it's awesome. I know. Jeez, absolutely. Well, Annie, you know, it is always such a pleasure having you on and chatting with you. And we missed Shay tonight, but Shay is being the awesome father that he is and being with the little one. And so... <laughs> He is. He's on baby duty right now. I fed her and, and then handed her off. So, yeah, <laughs> he'll he'll get back on again. But, no, it, it's always awesome to come on and, you know, tell people about our our haunted, <laughs> our haunted lives, basically. Right? Absolutely. No, it's, like, never-ending, the haunted yeah. encounters that go on in our lives. <laughs> it is, really. All right. Love that girl. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Sir, yes, sir! Check out the others, guys. They are equally awesome. Have you missed any of the episodes? that cry was recorded after our conversation and I was like I just need to capture that so I could throw it on here. What monster puts a baby crying on a podcast? Tessa Morrow does folks. Paranormal Prowlers podcast. (laughs) No need to cry though my friends. You can find me on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Basically, you guys, wherever you hear your other fantastic, phenomenal, amazing podcast, you will find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. And be sure to subscribe. See you next week. Poor Pearl, poor girl, lay dead upon the ground. Poor Pearl, poor girl, her head was never found. Scott Jackson had a pregnant girlfriend, Pearl Bryan was her name. He and Alonzo Walling met her at the train. <laughs>